0: listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast with me, Jade Elliott, where we talk all things pregnancy, children, and parenting. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV2 news podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health. You're listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast with myself, Jade Elliott, joined today by Dr. Helen Feltovic with Intermountain Health. Thanks for being with us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: We are talking about something I think for some families could be uh, exciting, overjoyed. Uh, For others, it could be (laughs) scary and um, unexpected. Uh, And we're talking about multiples, expecting twins or multiples. Um, And it seems like we're seeing multiples more often these days. We're hearing more stories about triplets and quads and, um, you know, is that a trend that we're seeing? Are we seeing more women uh, fall into that because uh, we're talking more about um, maybe fertility issues, more IVF uh, and things like that? Or is it just one of those 2020 things that we can say is happening and more people are just having multiples? Yeah, yeah.
1: 2020, all bets are off. Right. Um, Actually, I think there's more awareness of multiples these days than there has been in the past, but if you look at the actual numbers, they're actually dropping, especially higher order multiples like triplets and quadruplets and quintuplets. And the primary reason for that is more responsible practices of assisted reproductive technologies. So that's really good because as you know, as um, the number of fetuses increases, especially once you get to triplets or beyond, uh, complications increase. And so it's been really great for us MFMs to see this recent decline in the number of higher order multiples, and even a little decline in the number of twins, primarily because of responsible um, ART practices, assistive reproductive technologies practices that's been a good trend.
0: Yeah, that is a good trend. Absolutely. So for, uh, for our listeners, for the moms who may be experiencing um, a pregnancy with multiples, uh, what are some of the things they should expect? Or if they are looking into, um, you know, the assisted reproduction and the chance of multiples could be higher for them, you know, what are some of the things to expect out of that?
1: So um, I always say, expect the unexpected. <laughs> that's um, with any baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say that's with any baby. You know, I would I would say some things to count on are additional visits. Um, often that will involve at least one visit to a high-risk obstetrician like myself or one of my partners, a maternal fetal medicine physician, especially for... Um, planning and specific individualized management, and also because there's a teeny-weeny-eensy higher risk of birth defect with multiple gestation, even uncomplicated spontaneous twins, not even associated with IVF or other practices. So one would expect early documentation of multiples, which means a first trimester or early second trimester ultrasound, to document the number of fetuses in there, and also the number of placentas. This is really important because the risks are different if the fetuses are sharing a placenta. That's called monochorionic, or the common term for that is identical twins, versus dichorionic, which means two placentas, and the common name for that is fraternal twins. So that's important to establish early in pregnancy. It's important to have a a specific kind of targeted ultrasound to look for certain kinds of birth defects around the 20-week scan. And then twins always have a couple, at least, extra growth scans and some antenatal testing just because they're a little higher risk for certain complications. So I would expect that. And another word of advice to anyone who is expecting or thinking about expecting multiples, is figure out your support system because it is absolutely doable. People do it, and they do very, very well. They get through the pregnancies. They get through the early phase of parenting multiples, but it kind of takes a village even more than the usual singleton. Mm
0: -hmm, Absolutely. So talking about multiples, what increases your chances? We've talked a little bit about IVF and how that can increase your chance of of twins or multiples um but what are some of the other factors genetics demographics that can all kind of come into play
1: you know interestingly it can so there's a little increased risk with certain family histories women who are you know interestingly you would think that fertility would decline as you age but actually women at the upper end of the reproductive spectrum so those above 35 or even 40 are at increased risk for multiples Women of certain ethnic or racial backgrounds, such as black women, are at increased risk for multiples and There are other things like even um, some of the some of the reports will suggest that obesity is associated with multiples, although others will will say that that's associated with a decreased risk of fertility so The bottom line is that um, there are a lot of risk factors that are associated with multiples and basically it could happen to anyone even without assisted reproductive technology.
0: And so do you have more of a chance of having multiples if you fall into more of those categories of factors?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, But the chance is, the chance is not double or anything like that. So if you happen to be a Forty-year-old black woman who wants to become pregnant. You don't have to be terrified because the <laughs> overwhelming likelihood is still is that it will be a singleton. Sure.
0: And then what? And if, multiples. Are... Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then what about the? I don't know if you would call it a, a wives' tale or a pregnancy myth, but how multiples will skip a generation. So say if they run in your family, multiples run in your family, and then. They say it skips a generation. Is there any truth to that?
1: You know, um, there is and there isn't. And it's really, really unclear um, what the genetics behind, or what is involved with the genetics behind twinning. We certainly have anecdotally seen this skipping a generation, but there are also families that um, seem to have twins every generation. There are families that for instance, maybe the maternal side is the side that has twins, um, and the patient doesn't get twins, or maybe the paternal side, which makes a lot less sense, but maybe the paternal side has lots of twins, and this pregnancy for this couple is a multiple. There also, you know, we used to think that monochorionic twinning, so the identical twin, kind of twinning was not hereditary, you know, not the kind of thing that runs in families. But even that is seeming to not be so true anymore. I think that as we understand the molecular basis, because everything comes down to the molecules, right? So in the biology of it, I think that the more we come to understand the biology of pregnancy and molecular genetics, we'll have some of those answers. But right now, the answer is, yes, it's observed. Um, and no, we don't know why or how to choose which person might be at increased risk of twinning based on her or his family history. And that was really helpful, huh? It, well,
0: yeah, it <laughs> was. Because, I mean, you know, it's just one of those truth. things. It's kind of up in the air. And Um, you know, things are being monitored, but there's no real hard point of yes, this is why, or no, this is why not. And so if you've had twins previously, are you more likely to have twins or multiples again in another pregnancy?
1: So again, yes and no. Uh Most of the time. And, and of course, if they're IVF pregnancies, then absolutely yes, Sure, right? But if we are talking about spontaneous conceptions, oddly, most of the time it doesn't recur, but oddly, there are women. I've had patients who have had recurrent twins. I've had several patients who have had two sets of spontaneous twins and uh, one patient who had three sets of spontaneous twins. Seriously? So, I'm going to say yes to that, although I can't explain it with the science. <laughs> yeah, we don't have we don't have a sign, but it's certainly observed.
0: Wow, that is that is incredible and fascinating all at the same time. So let's talk about those types of twins. And we you were kind of talking about some of them in the way, the identical, the fraternal. Kind of break it down and, and what that looks like. So with identical twins, what does that mean?
1: So, in terms of the biology of twinning what it means most of the time, not all the time, there are rare exceptions, but most of the time that means that one egg is fertilized by one sperm that splits early in the pregnancy. And the most common outcome of that is one placenta and two sacs, two amnion and one chorion. Um, If the split doesn't happen till a few days later, so you might get uh, one placenta and only one sac. And if the splitting happens after about a week, you could get conjoined twins. Even so, the spectrum goes from for the one egg one sperm scenario. The spectrum goes from one placenta, two sacs, and that's the most common. That's if they split within a few days to one placenta one sac that's called monochorionic monoamniotic and those pregnancies are at increased risk because the babies can kind of twist their cords around each other all the way up to if it's you know up to two weeks or something of splitting you can actually have conjoined twins so the most common thing that we see is one placenta two sacs, and The difference between that and dichorionic pregnancies or fraternal twins is those most often result from one egg, one sperm, and another egg, another sperm. So those pregnancies are distinguished because they have two placentas and two sacs. People get confused because you can have dichorionic twins that have the same sex, so they're both female phenotypically or both phenotypic males, or they can be different. Um, And with monochorionic twins, most often, they're the same phenotypic sex, but there can be certain mutations that are present in one and not the other to even make them look like different sexes. But the simple way of looking at it is that monochorionic twins share a placenta, they each have their own sac, they're most often the same phenotypic sex, and dichorionic twins, each have their own placenta, each have their own sac, and they can be either the same phenotypic sex or different. Now, all twins are um, at increased risk of the things we talked about earlier, you know, teeny weeny increased risk of birth defect. Um, They're all at increased risk of growth problems Mm -hmm. just because of You know, this isn't the scientific way to think about it, but a functional way to think about it is just space in the uterus, right? Mm -hmm. So we monitor all twins for growth. Um, We monitor to make sure that they've got enough fluid around them. This is just a way of checking their placentas. All twins are at increased risk of preterm birth, although more than 50% go past 36 weeks. So that actually is very reassuring. Um, 37 weeks is term and 40 weeks is your due date. So that's kind of a way to think about that. Um, They're all at increased risk of things that can, that are functions of the placenta. For instance, gestational hypertension, high blood pressure or preeclampsia. That's a placental related disease. And so twins, of course, increase the risk of that because there's more placenta. Even with just one placenta, it's bigger. Now, if you just have one placenta, though, there are some special considerations because those placentas share some of their vascular connections. And most of the time, this is no big deal. The placenta figures out how to Keep separate and give each baby what they need. But 10 to 15% of the time, there can be abnormal sharing of those vascular connections that can result in problems from one twin being too big and one twin being too small. So one twin getting too much and one twin getting not enough from that Mm -hmm. placenta. And because that can happen in 10 to 15% of monochorionic pregnancies, there's even more monitoring of growth in fact between 16 and 26 weeks or so we like to look at those pregnancies every two weeks to make sure that we don't see features of this happening because if it does happen there's a procedure called laser ablation of communicating vessels that can actually correct the problem so we monitor really really carefully and someone with monochorionic or identical twins between 16 and 26 weeks, they would have a visit every couple of weeks. And someone with fraternal or dichorionic two placentas, two SACS twins would probably in that same amount of time have only one or maybe two ultrasounds. So there, there's a little extra monitoring, but the principles are the same, you know, increased risk of preterm birth, certain placental disorders like high blood pressure, maybe an increased risk of diabetes, of pregnancy. And also we have to keep close track of how the twins are growing and how their placenta or placentas are functioning.
0: Yeah. And then what about with trips or quads or the list goes on with multiples? Can you have like with triplets, can you have identical twins and then a fraternal? With quads, can you have two sets of identicals? Can you have all fraternal? I mean, does it just break down every way you can think of?
1: Basically, yeah. (laughs) Um, So you can have, um, so let's take the case of triplets. You can have triplets that come from three eggs and three sperm, either spontaneous, that's pretty rare to have that spontaneously, but it certainly happens, um, or because of IVF embryo transfer or other Other ART procedures, you can have triplets that come from two eggs and sperm, and one breaks into two. You can have triplets that come from one egg and sperm, and break into three. So, yeah, basically all of those categories Mm -hmm. are possible. My one of my very first patients, straight out of fellowship, was a patient who um, had. This was spontaneous, if you can believe it. She had quadruplets.
0: Oh my gosh. And
1: one of them had its own placenta in its own sac, and the other one was identical triplets. That was um that was an intense pregnancy.
0: Yeah. I but bet.
1: the same principle. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. That was my um that was my first case report paper that got published after my fellowship. <laughs> I'll never forget her. Um twenty years ago. Um But so in terms of, you know, managing these pregnancies, remember what I said a few minutes ago about how it's really, really important to establish early in the pregnancy, ideally by 13 or 14 weeks, how many placentas, how many sacs, and how many fetuses they are? That's why, because let's say you have triplets and you're 20 weeks, by which time, you know, the placentas can look like they're together in the uterus, even if they aren't functionally together. Um, it's really critical to know what you're dealing with because let's say a triplet patient has a set of identical twins plus uh, another, you know, fraternal um, triplet. We would watch her every two weeks between that 16 to 26 week period. But let's say they are all having their own placentas and their own sacs, we'd probably have her come back twice. So, and it's not just the monitoring, it's also, it's also the risk, mm-hmm. right? So the risk of preterm birth and um, outcomes like miscarriage and, you know, stillbirth problems like that are increased with monochorionic twins, just a little bit, but, you know, enough that we watch it carefully. So that's why it's really important to see your doctor early and have pregnancy um, chorionicity and amnionicity established.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked a little bit you know, kind of gone over some of the risks and, and, you know, importance of visits and things like that. When Mm -hmm. is it then important or or crucial uh, that we see a maternal fetal medicine specialist, maybe not just our regular doctor?
1: So it, honestly, um, that is a tricky question because... Um, it depends on the comfort of the doctor with reading an ultrasound mm-hmm. and establishing how many fetuses how many sacs how many placentas it's not as easy as you would think and
0: some oh, I don't think it's easy family at medicine all.
1: doctor <laughs> well, <laughs> you're right um, but but some people are very comfortable with that and other people aren't so we will we will often get consults from the our colleagues out here, for instance, I work in Utah County, and I will often get consults at, you know, 10 to 14 weeks that say, here are some twins. We don't know if they're monochorionic or dichorionic. I love those. I love seeing these patients by 14 weeks or so, because that is really the best time to establish how many placentas, how many sacs, how many fetuses, and um, as we were talking about a few minutes ago, the plan changes based on those things, mm-hmm. right? The frequency of visits. Um, if your provider is very comfortable with um, diagnosing monochoronicity, um higher order multiples, you know, triplets, quadruplets, things like that, then the best time to see us if they're monochorionic is 16 weeks because then we set up this frequent monitoring system which often involves um, special kinds of ultrasound called Dopplers which are, it's an ultrasound technique that tells us about um, blood flow basically Mm -hmm. um, in a placenta and in a fetus and most Most people who aren't MFMs don't do those, so it would be important to be seen by 16 weeks if you have a monochorionic pregnancy, and if you have a dichorionic pregnancy, you know, the typical 20 weeks would be a good time to be seen, and we offer anyone with twins any kind of chorionicity, so one placenta, two placentas, anybody with twins or higher order multiples, we always offer a detailed ultrasound with an MFM specialist just because of that. You know, don't don't let this scare anybody, because most of the time, twins especially do great, but there's a little tiny higher risk of birth defect. Sure. So those would be kind of the first two visits. And then depending on chorionicity and individual provider comfort, the subsequent growth scans and antenatal testing may or may not be done in a maternal fetal medicine doctor's office. It's a conversation between the primary provider, the MFM specialist, and the patients, of course.
0: Mm -hmm. And so other than, you know, maybe some extra visits and extra monitoring, things like that, really for a woman expecting multiples, I mean, the things that she should be doing for herself are pretty similar to any woman going through a pregnancy,
1: right? Exactly, and that's really important because there are a lot of myths out there about things like bed rest. I get lots and lots of patients that come in and say, okay, what week do I have to go on bed rest? Because that's what we used to think was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, there was a lot of bed rest for twins. We thought that it helped Um, prevent preterm birth um, and prevent other complications, it flat out doesn't. In fact, the only thing that imposed bed rest does strict imposed bed rest is increase the risk of getting a blood clot. Mm. So now we know, um, and in fact, recommendations have been changed just within the past few years because of all that we're learning about how important it is to exercise and take good care of yourself. You know, wellness of pregnancy, um, is critical and i think for a long time doctors you know obstetricians even paid so much attention to the uterus and kind of forgot about the rest of the patient but just like if you're carrying a singleton or if you're not even pregnant right the critical things are good diet good exercise get some sun try to enjoy your life, you know, (laughs) all of these same principles apply. Now there are cases that we would tell someone to restrict activity. And those are cases where, um, let's say a woman's blood pressure is high. Bed rest does help keep blood pressures under control a little bit to some extent. So we might recommend that in selected cases. But overall, what we say these days is your body is smart, and you're smart, so listen to it. Mm-hmm. So for instance, can you run a marathon with twins? Sure, some people have done that and they can't. I couldn't, I'm a runner, I could never run, I could not run when I was pregnant, it just didn't feel good. And so, although I didn't have twins either, but <laughs> it just didn't feel good. So if if women are aware of their wellness and listen to what their bodies are telling them, their bodies really will Tell them, hey, this is too much. Hey, um, this isn't enough. You know, I'm feeling antsy. I need to get a little bit more exercise. And I love all this new advice because it really puts the agency and the, the empowerment back on us as as women with mm-hmm. you know growing fetuses in our bodies. Um, it teaches us that we can trust what our bodies are telling us, and I think that's really important. So. Your doctor can work with you on specific things for you. Like I said, there are certain cases, you know, the, the patient who's having issues with her blood pressure or something. But by and large, you know, these days we never impose um, just routine bed rest. Mm-hmm. And we always say, get exercise, move around, enjoy your life. And many, many people work, yeah. you know, into their 37th or 38th week. Um, this is an important thing too. We do recommend delivery a little bit early for twins. So at term, because term is defined as 37 weeks, but your due date is 40 weeks. So we typically recommend delivery sometime 37th week, 38th week like this for twins. Um, so that's another thing to expect is an induction or if the first baby is breach or mm-hmm. A woman just prefers to have a C-section, a C-section at that time. Um, but it happens a little bit earlier for twins.
0: And when it comes to labor, do you see with multiples, do you see more C-sections than vaginal births uh, just because of the multiple factor in it?
1: Well, we, we see more sections than vaginal births because of two things. One is malpresentation. So um, in a twin pregnancy, it's more likely that one of the twins will be breached. And if if the bottom twin, twin A, is breached, that is an absolute indication for C-section. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, there's a, a small but real chance, up to 20% of things called a converted procedure or converted delivery, where one baby delivers vaginally and the other baby needs to have a C-section because of... For instance, you know, the uterus changes shape after one baby comes out and things get a little unpredictable. You know, there's a little chance that a a placental abruption could happen where the placenta starts coming off the wall of the uterus or the second baby could go into a funny position that isn't amenable to vaginal delivery, something like that. So because of that um, slight increased risk, many women choose to just have a C-section for twins, even if both of the fetuses are Head down mm-hmm. so both because there's a little higher risk of malpresentation and because there's um, there's a higher chance that a mom will choose to have a c-section there's a little increased risk in terms of you know increased problems of fetuses not being able to tolerate labor because of growth restriction or you know some of the usual things that would also give a higher risk of C-section of singleton pregnancy, those are all true too. And they're probably a little bit higher in twin pregnancies.
0: It's hard enough to push one baby out, let alone two or more after that.
1: I know. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's it's true heroism, but you you know what's interesting is um, I love delivering twins actually, because one baby comes out and, you know, mom and her partner can be holding and, you know, cuddling the baby or whatever. And it can be anywhere between minutes and hours till the second one comes out, right? Oh my gosh. So you just kind of wait. And she snuggles and says hello and then passes off the baby and pushes out the other one. It's, it's, it's not as dramatic as you would think. Sure. <laughs> it's actually pretty <laughs> calm.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Talking about labor still, signs of preterm labor, because that is Uh, a risk factor when it comes to multiples. What should women carrying multiples be looking for with that?
1: You know what? This kind of goes back to what I was saying about trust your body. It Mm -hmm. will tell you if you're doing too much or not enough. A pregnant woman really is the best judge of what's going on with her body. And so I always say, if anything feels different to you, let somebody know. Because preterm labor, especially in the second trimester, can present in all kinds of weird ways. Um, There's the common bleeding, leaking, feeling, you know, increasingly painful tightenings and contractions. Those are all the obvious things. But preterm labor can even present um, as pressure in the back or in the vagina or just, you know, like kind of feeling off.
0: Mm -hmm. So,
1: I always say, you know, if anything feels different, the better part of Valor is to have that evaluated for sure. And there's no shame because we we always tell all patients, but especially patients with multiples, because the things like preterm labor are slightly increased, we always say, you know, if you're feeling anything different, if you're worried, just pick up the phone. You know, when, when we went to baby delivering school, there were no expectations of, ever having a minute off. We all know it's a 24 seven job Mm -hmm. and that's why we have call schedules and there's always somebody available. So reach out if you notice anything different.
0: Yeah. And like you're saying, it is so important to listen to your body um, because it will tell you so many Mm -hmm. things. Um, And another time that that is so crucial is then postpartum and listening to your body and your feelings and your emotions. Postpartum are women with multiples more, likely to have an
1: increased risk of postpartum? You know, that's really important. I'm glad you brought that up because yes. And a whole bunch of it has to do with sleep, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. If you have two babies instead of one baby, I mean, it's not quite double the work, but it certainly is more. So that's why, you know, when we opened this conversation and you said, what should a person do? One of the things I said was get, start getting a support system Mm -hmm. um, in place right away. That, that's always important for pregnancy, but it's especially important with multiples. Get people that you trust to come in and help care for the babies. It's a little tricky during a pandemic, but it's absolutely possible. Um, in my clinic, we strategize and talk about that all the time.
0: Dr. Helen Feltovic, thank you so much for your time today, talking us through uh, what it's like to expect twins or multiples and maybe easy, even easing some of that anxiety that uh, moms are kind of facing as they think about, uh, possibly having multiples or if they're already pregnant with multiples. So we thank you so much for your time today. And that concludes this episode of the baby, your baby podcast, talking about expecting twins or multiples. Thanks for joining me, Jade Elliott and our guest for this week's baby, your baby podcast. If you have a topic that you'd like our baby, your baby experts to discuss, Leave us a comment and don't forget to subscribe. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV2 news podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health.